What's up, Eddie? Yo, what's going on? There he is. How you doing? I'm all right, man. How you doing? I uh, I got popped in the jaw. I was crowning my guy in pickup, and I was asking for it. But uh, we're, pl- <laughs> we're we're playing hurt tonight, so if uh, if I sound a little low energy or I'm mumbling or whatever, you know why. <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope everybody that listens to you knows that like you can really ball. Like you're not just out there uh, getting a sweat like me. You're out there really controlling the <laughs> game and getting buckets. So I hope everybody knows that. Well, I'm no Jarrell Harris, but I appreciate that, man. <laughs> I didn't. So I didn't know that was you. That one run we played together, and I was pissed at myself. I didn't say what's up afterwards. So here we yeah, are. Yeah, like. I put two and two. I did the same thing. I put two and two together later, and I was like, wait. And I think I hit Tony and was like, yo, Jake is nice. What was that? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm it was fun a little, little bit. bit. Yeah, man. Hey, look, you, I can run a little bit. You can play a little bit. It's a difference. <laughs> the handle is nowhere near where it was back when I was playing six days a week in college, and I'm probably 20 pounds heavier than I was uh when the pandemic started um but, you know we'll uh we'll get it back little by little yo it's insane how you just can't bounce the ball as good as you once could bounce the ball it is it, it just seems like the most simplest of things on the court and then you catch yourself like man a few years ago i would have had a snatch back and a last, you know, <laughs> and now it's like yeah straight lines quick little change direction a little bit of this a little bit of that so it's hilarious but yeah man uh Besides the uh, the injury, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. It was my first run back uh, in like a month. I, I was busy traveling. Went to Chicago for the combine. I went to Boston for the finals. Where uh, I'm sure most people listening are aware that uh, Draymond was a little upset with me post game, game three. <laughs> and uh, you know, we're just trying to work the phones and figure out what's happening. Uh, draft free agency, off season trade, whatnot. So, honestly, so that was that was your moment. That was your, uh, you know, hey, are you giving up too much on the pod? That was you. That was me. That was oh me. wow, which, good fun. Which, which, if I didn't say the words X's and O's, if I just said adjustments, I think it would have been fine. But he latched onto that and just tried to have. I mean. There was like four YouTube videos saying Draymond Green roast for Porter or Draymond Green roast Jake Fisher. And like we're seeing it with JJ and CJ on first take or whatever the, the get up, I don't know, against Stephen A. Like there's this new culture in the hashtag new media where players are just kind of clapping back at everybody, which like it's fine, but it doesn't that doesn't seem to be like the content that I would want to be supporting. Like I'm good. For, like we're gonna have a nice chat here for an hour, right? Like we're not gonna be trying to stunt on anyone, but it is what it is. Look, you're not doing your job if uh, a player doesn't go, huh? Every now and then, and you know it. Look, you asked the question everybody wanted to hear, and you're just yeah. the bad guy because you're the one who asked it, and that's fine. That's the job. And listen, if if I didn't know Celtics people were actually listening, I would never have asked. But and they're not, you know, getting trade secrets and they're not like getting a peek into the Warriors film session, but it's still a data point that like has never existed in the history of the league, which I think is pretty freaking cool. So I like the question even gave him props 
for like doing something that has never been done before. And it truly is something that's unique in a media space where it's hard to do something unique these days. Right. And I was, I was trying to tip my cap to be like, but at the same time, you know, what do you think about, you know, Boston, maybe, trying, <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, I, I've had a, my share interactions with Draymond. We obviously had him on our show. And I think at the end of the day, he's a great guy. Uh, he's what I love about Draymond. And I think this, this situation is a part of this as well. It's like, he's in on the joke. Like he gets the conversation about him. He gets that. It's just all he, he's always looked at at this certain way. And he gets that like his assumed response is like, well, you guys don't know what you're talking about. And uh, I, I can appreciate somebody who's in on the joke. So yeah. I, I thought it was, I thought it was a funny moment. I thought it was great. And again, you're not doing your job unless you're pissing them off sometimes. So, is well, is. Um, I want to talk about your job real quick. And for everyone listening, appreciate you guys been here so far. We got over eighty people in here. I'm sure that number number will keep ticking. We're definitely going to get to your questions because I'd love to hear what Eddie has to say too, based on just all the chatter that's going around the league. Um, but first, you know, I, I, I'm familiar with your background and how you and Kevin got together. But for anyone who doesn't know, can you just kind of take us through? Because from my perspective, Twitter, pretty much a cesspool right now. I got Raptors fans yelling at me. I got people <laughs> telling me Draymond, you know, dunk on me, whatever. But Twitter made something pretty cool happen for you. And it's an amazing story that I don't think a lot of people know. Yeah, I mean, you know – I credit Twitter for basically all of my career developments, and this is obviously the biggest and most renowned one. But, yeah, I, I came up traditional media, I guess old media now. Um, I was a writer. I, I wrote. I actually wrote about music for quite a time and, um, you know, just kind of venturing off. And a good friend of mine, Justin Tinsley, at I think it's called Anscape now, but ESPN, um, we used to have these conversations about, the way media was transitioning and all these things and how you have to, you have to be on camera, you have to be on mic, you have to produce, you have to, you have to do all these things to keep up now. And so I was always kind of looking at the next step, even when I was writing. So I, I gained a following just from sports banter. That's, that's probably the next step and um, wanted to dive into podcasting and on and on. So to give my background, like I, I can't, like Kevin didn't pluck me, from the internet streets and say, here's a job. I was actually yeah. doing stuff, but yeah, I met Kevin on Twitter, um, just kind of joking and ranting and um, actually had a podcast before the show. We do had a conversation about him that he had, I, I um, tagged him because I know how active he is and how often he's checking in and he reached out and said, yo, this is, this is kind of dope. And we just got to talking about, you know, what shows we're watching, what music, and then it just so happened to the the what ended up being the bubble season started a little bit after that, and we got to talking about hoop and on and on, and it it, it gradually turned into so this genuine friendship that turned into, yo, we should do some stuff together. You have this media company you guys are putting together. Um, you know, I, I just started ESPN and wasn't necessarily like the the honeymoon phase have wore off and it's like, all right, you know, what's next. And yeah, that led down a path of us doing our podcast and 
you know, obviously the world finding out that we're we're friends and all the things that come with that, and it's it's been quite a journey. It's been a, it's been a trip, man. It's it's been fun though. Yeah, one thing I've always appreciated about your style on the show, um, and I listened back to the Kyrie episode today. I, I had to drive somewhere, like White Plains, I think it was, to renew my passport. Um, it's like the random two weeks I actually have a car because my family's all out of town. Um, and uh, so I threw it on. And the, the way I try to approach my job is that everyone in the league, they bleed just like us, right? And, like, yep. I feel like a lot of people on the media side and especially a lot of people on the fan side, you know, these guys are demigods and heroes and all that jazz, which, like, there's a way to balance the, like, respect for what someone does while also still viewing them on a human-to-human level. And that's something that I think really shines through in what you do. Um, and, you know, the Kyrie conversation, like, honestly, I, I didn't really think about it the first time I listened to it. But, like, I don't know the guy at all. But it really sounded like that was probably the purest, most, like, Kyrie, Kyrie that we've really seen for, like, an hour. Because when he's doing the IG Live and he's talking and looking off camera and whatever, like, that's just a guy rambling off the top, but like an actual conversation. I mean, he seemed to be pretty candid and, and honest and genuine. Um, and it's like, it's a pretty new talent you got there, man. I appreciate that. And you know, that, that is purposeful and that is the goal. And that was the goal when I started to do this and to make these conversational into, you know, the pitch I gave to Rich Kleiman, you know, obviously Kevin's manager, business partner, et cetera, et cetera, was these conversations I have with Kay when I go to the crib and watch the game with him or we do whatever or in our group chat or whatever. Like, I want people to see that. I want people to see this guy um, because I know he gets kind of a bad rap as a sensitive kind of, you know, whatever. Um, but I'm like, people should see this. This is just like a normal guy and it's endearing and it's powerful. And I approached that with all of our guests and Kyrie included. And, and I'm happy you said that about the Kyrie episode because that really came together kind of really not spur of the moment, but I didn't know Kyrie remembered me. And, and obviously <laughs> he wasn't, obviously he wasn't playing Brooklyn home games. So I hadn't seen him. We did our show on zoom and then I hadn't seen him um, since I began going to a lot of the games with Kevin. Which, which and, for, yeah. For people who don't know, you're hanging out courtside every game, right? Yeah, so especially when Kevin came back from injury, and that's a funny story because I want to say the second game back from his injury, he scored 53 against the Knicks, and I missed the whole first half because I couldn't find parking by Barclays. And so I told Kevin after the game, like, yo, I'm just going to roll with you tomorrow. Like, it's it's just nuts. <laughs> I either got to pay 60 bucks to park or I got to circle the block so I find a spot. He was like, all right, come on. And I had rolled with him a couple of times, and so we went that day the next game and that just turned into the rest of the season. But so obviously Kyrie's not playing those initial games. And then eventually he plays uh, maybe like a month later. And I hadn't seen Kyrie in person since we did our interview, we had shot some DMS and all that. And, and then I see him and, and it's like, yo, he recognized me and we're talking. And I told him then I said, yo, I want to get you on the show. I want to get you back on the show, me and you. And he was with it immediately and it came together and, same thing. As I got to spend more time with Kyrie, it turned into the same thing. Like, I want people to see this. I want people to see that Kyrie is genuine. You don't agree with everything he does and says, and that's fine. Like, we don't agree with anybody. 
wholeheartedly with everything they say and do. But I want people to see like this genuine, thoughtful guy who really cares about the things that he cares about, if that makes sense. And I'm I'm happy that that was the feedback from a lot of people who was like, yo, I've never seen this side of Kai. And he seems so genuine and so normal. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's usually the goal. I know like a lot of people see this job in in media and journalism as like, yo, you got to ask the tough questions. But Kyrie had asked, had been asked and answered a million times about why he didn't get vaccinated. Um, what he thought about the vaccine? Was he anti-vax? Was he pro like whatever, you know? Uh, so like, why are we going to retread that? Let's talk some more. I gave him the chance to say, Hey, did you regret it? Did you, did you ever think about wavering? And he answered in his own way and essentially said, no, <laughs> But then it's like, yeah, let's talk about some other stuff. Let's talk about 2016. Let's talk about how last time I got to talk to you, I kind of pissed LeBron off and you pissed LeBron off and hurt him, according to LeBron. So let's talk about that. There was more interesting things to me to talk about than, like, the hard-hitting question or whatever. So, I mean, I enjoy the job, man. I think it's it's fun. It's It's extremely unique, and not everybody gets the opportunity to go, yo, you know, Kyrie, what's your at-home life like? Because you're extremely private. And him tell a little bit of it. Yeah. The thing that was a big tell to me about how comfortable he got was that um, at one point, he said something to the effect of, like, yeah, like, you know my dad. And it was clear that you kind of gave him a look or, like, said something like, I mean, I don't. Like, we – and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, he just kind of dropped his defenses that it seems like, from from my understanding, Kyrie's dad's around all the time. They're, like, best friends. So if you're cool with him, like, obviously you're cool with his dad. Like, he had thought – he had just gotten so comfortable that he kind of just made that – had that little, like, Freudian slip, which I thought was, like, I don't know, as a, as a reporter and an interviewer, like, not to get too technical because obviously we're talking about making it, like, a natural flow. But when you hear little things like that, those are like the tells that I think I think I'm always paying attention for, um, rather than just just listening, you know. Oh, what, what me and Kevin say is once our guests cuss, it's like we got him. Okay, this is <laughs> this is now the guy. This is Kai. This is the guy I was clowning after the Mavericks game because he played bad. Like this is that guy. So it's like cool. Uh, but yeah, like you you you've been there. You've interviewed. You've, you've had guys on the podium. You've done all of it you really get a sense of when people let their guard down and kind of start just talking, you know what I mean? Because it's hard for them not to have media savvy voice at first, but yeah, once you can get the walls down and, and, and really talk to that person, that's when you, that's when I think the things go to the next level and that's so hard to do. And I appreciate that people notice that we get that out of some of our guests, most of our guests, I'd say. The other thing that you do that honestly fucking blows me away Um you have, like, do you have a photographic memory? Because you can recall plays that, like, like I first noticed it in the in the crossover you guys did with JJ because JJ and Kevin were talking about their playoff battles and playoff memories and whatever, and you were rattling off little moves, little lefty spins off the glass, little high pick and roll that led to some kick to the corner that, like, I mean – I don't remember what the hell you're, you're talking about. <laughs> you have it. You're clearly vision. Like, do you have a? Is it? Is it about just basketball? Is that about everything? You know, I'm like this with like movies, with like music, but it's it's two things. It's one, you know, researching and prepping on 
into these things. I always show people out, you know, friends in the industry and people who interview in, in general. I don't do notes, but I will cram and cram and cram. And, and it's in part because of what you said earlier. I want it to be natural. I don't want to have yeah. to look at this paper and go, yo, no. this is the game where Chris Paul had the turnover and like completely blew it. You know, I want to be able to recall that off memory. Same thing for questioning, a line of questioning. If, if JJ brings up this random note from the Orlando series, I want to be prepped enough to go, oh, shit, that's the series where uh, Rashard Lewis did boom, boom, boom. That's our chance to talk about Rashard and we can transfer to that. So I try to just be prepped as possible, but there's also like this innate, I just remember all these really, really random, stupid things. So when I meet Kevin, you would think I'm asking about like, yo, the battles with LeBron and this, that, and the third. But I want to know about the KD sixes that went up to his knee and were like, what were you thinking? With that? <laughs> you know, I want to know about stupid shit like that. And those are the things that like I remember in the back of my memory too. So yeah, I mean, it's part prep and part of just. Yeah, I got this weird knowledge base, and I finally got an opportunity to use it. And, and, and it had at least the moments like that where I'm able to keep up. And you know how the players are. Like, they remember all that stuff. It's, they remember it's everything, man. And I, I get, like, Kevin, and, and, like, we'll get in these group chats, and we'll have these basketball debates, and, you know, he'll start. He has this weird thing. Like, he can spell everybody's in the NBA's name. Like, he, he knows it doesn't matter who. Like, it doesn't matter how hard and complicated the name is to spell. He knows Wally Zerviak letter for letter. <laughs> um, but he also remembers like stats and games and all that stuff. He's just, you know, and I've seen him do it in person. So I'm like, he's not sitting there yeah. in basketball ref. Like we've been arguing in person and he's been like, no, Larry Johnson did this in the finals and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, so, uh, you know, I got to keep up with that too. And the players are all like that. I, I know Draymond and LeBron, they have those famous, yeah, on this play and four years ago we did this and they drove and they kicked and blah, blah, blah. And this was the rotation. And they're kind of like all like that, you know, not to yeah. not to talk down on those guys, but these guys remember a lot of this shit. So uh, I know they do. Know. I just watch it from, and I pay attention. Like I'm not just sitting there like following the ball, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I still, I, I mean, maybe, maybe it's a, it's a two screen era we're in now, but like, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I can't even think of a couple of plays from, like, game one of these finals. Like, honestly, like, like a standout play. I, I mean, I remember, like, Jordan Poole's half-court shot. I think that was game two. Um, <laughs> but, man, like, that's about that's about it. Um, there, there was this tweet, uh, I want to say maybe a week ago, and it was like – what finals do you remember the least of in the last, like, 20 years? Which cracked me up. It's such a random – you know, Twitter's good for that. It's That's a great question. question. But I was like, yo, like, I think 09, I remember, like, two plays, Lakers Magic, and that's it. Like, I don't remember nothing else. And so, that's yeah, one. I, that's one – that's one you – hit, you hit me there. It was game two. Courtney Lee, the lob, yeah. half court, missed layup. Would have win one one. They barely they barely lost game one, and he to Turk moved through the inbound, and I've been obsessed with that play. I don't know why, but I've re- I've ended up writing like four different stories off of that play. Like I did a profile on Courtney Lee, and I've read the um, story. I was just gonna say I, I feel like I've read this. I do. Thank I remember you, man. reading the story, and and because that those are like the plays that sit in my brain, like what if this would have did that? Or why did he miss that shot? And I, I know he kind of like explained other guys did too as well. It's like, 
should he have went glass? He tried to dunk it. It was the pass too hard. Like, so those are the things that sit on my brain. But you know what's funny is don't feel bad about this series being a blur. The series last <laughs> year to me is a blur. And I guess it was a yeah. great series, but it was a blur. And I remember like four plays total. I don't remember the first couple games. Like, it was a lot. I was in Vegas for the Team USA stuff. I was we were recording some stuff out there. And so that I'm going to blame it on that. But, yo, I'm just as bad. So <laughs> I make it look good on the show, but that's like, you know, TV magic or whatever. There you go, man. I met my par- my girlfriend's parents, I remember, for the first time the week, the week of that series starting. And uh, I was definitely not fully paying attention to that game. Um, all right. We're, we, we've killed enough time now. Um, got 120 people in here. This is definitely the biggest room I've ever had on Colin. So shout out everyone for popping on here late with us. Really appreciate it. Um, I know you guys got some questions, so I'm going to lob Eddie up uh, a Nets off-season question. Um, and then if you guys want to start hitting the call queue, we'll gladly hear from you guys and kind of take it where things go. If not, I can keep picking it with Eddie and we'll go. But please call in. And we'll add you to the queue, and we'll get you up here, and it'll be great. Um, but before that, um, Eddie, I, I've been working on the assumption for about a month or so now. I never really thought differently, but I've been working on the assumption that all three of KD, Ben, and Kai will be their start of training camp 2022-2023 season. I have no reason to believe differently. However... There's just a lot of Kyrie smoke, right? And people are talking. You know, there's that, you know, I saw Bill Simmons said that, like, Lakers and Knicks rumors about him. Like, yeah, I remember at the Combine, there was a Kyrie-Knicks rumor that was flowing around. I asked people about it. They told me they didn't think it was legitimate, so I didn't report it. But to anyone who's been, like, following Easter eggs, that was the thing I tweeted in, like, a response to someone saying there's a funny Knicks rumor that I'm working to confirm. I never confirmed it. But the fact that there is the smoke and the fact that there definitely is some talk about, you know, whether or not they're going to be able to figure out a long-term deal here. It's just interesting. I know you got a bit of a relationship with the guy. You got to be a little careful. (laughs) But that's where my head went. I'm taking a shot. Why not? I think – so – we're just reading the tea leaves and you know, we're not saying you guys talking such, <laughs> such and such said this. I think it's telling as a fan of the team, as a follower of the team, Kyrie spent the last month or so of the season saying, yo, I can't wait to be here long term. I can't leave my guy seven. Uh, I'm excited for the future. This is a, this is a long-term build for me. Uh, he said on our show, yeah, you know, he envisions team dominance. He want that's his goal. You know, he wants he wants to see these guys winning sixty games a year for Which was before years. Sean Mark said to the media that they want yes. players who are all about the team. So that was interesting. So and and that's that's the next step in my tea leave reading is you know, then Sean Marks has this press conference. Um not a requirement. By the way, not every team does this. Uh, you know, not 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 obligated to do this. Mark this, Stein would argue differently that it's <laughs> that you owe it that you owe it to your fans. A lot of fans would say to, that. I, I got a lot yeah. of I got a lot of shit from Nets fans on Twitter from saying like you're you're not entitled to any information, and you know I got screamed at. But 
Um, you know, he answered <laughs> some questions, and I don't think there were directly questions about Kyrie, but definitely had a few comments that raised a few eyebrows for fans. And uh, as of yet, like, we have yet to hear anything of contract extension, anything, you know, and, and you think a player of Kyrie's caliber, his age, um, yeah, you, you want to lock him in, his, his relationship to the best player on the team. Why that hasn't happened, who knows? It, it doesn't have to yet, you know. They, no, they, it's they, early. I think his opt-in deadline is late July. Like, nothing has to happen Oh, it's that late? Anytime soon. That. Um, yeah, it's something like that. It's like – it's not July one. It's it's later into the into the process. So there's like you know there's a lot going on. Um, I obviously would love t- to see them figure that out. I think that's the biggest question mark. This question mark they didn't think they were going to have. A lot of people didn't think was a thing. Um, but yeah, until we hear that, yo, they've agreed on whatever extension or Kai's opted in, and you know all of that. I think for me. Questioning the commitment is, is is very interesting. And again, he didn't question Kyrie by name, but with the mandate with the mandate done, with the mandate waived in a sense, um, you know, Kyrie showed up. Kyrie showed up when he was allowed to. He played every game for the rest of the season. Obviously it didn't go well uh, as well as they wanted. But yeah, I think it's very interesting. I'd love to see what happens. I too have seen the the rumors and the reports. And I mean, I think that's the reality of the situation. You know, if the Nets, you know, decide that they want to move on or if the Nets put him in a situation where it's an offer he doesn't feel is up to par, there's going to be big contracts out there for Kyrie Irving. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So I'm not shocked there's rumors out there and we'll see what happens. The fact that his opt-in date is so long, which I would definitely have to look up um, more opt-in dates around the league now because I was just working the assumption they were all June 30th, which I guess is silly. Um, yeah, yeah. don't hold me to a, no, no, no. like the contract ledger, but I remember hearing, reading, seeing somewhere. Yeah. It is later. And, and, and the only reason I remember is because it shocked me. I go to my laptop. I'm going to be a pro. I just assumed it was June 30, like you. I just assumed it was July 1 or whatever the, the day is. So I was definitely caught off guard by that. Kyrie Irving off <laughs> I've never I never do this. Okay, yeah, it is oh no, it's June 29th. Okay. June twenty call you out. June twenty ninth. But we're here for okay. the accuracy. So I said the wrong month. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. Um well, we're okay. coming up soon then. All right. So I had twenty nine. I had twenty nine. Twenty nine, you had twenty nine. Right. So we're coming there up soon. Go. So that's still that's still you know, the draft will be Thursday the twenty first. That's a full week after the draft where everyone will then – there's a mad rush after the draft that night to sign guys to exhibit 10 deals and get dudes on your summer league roster. It goes into the morning on Friday. Pretty much by Saturday, everyone's talking free agency. So yep. there will be room, is all I'm saying, to figure out if you know, a trade needed to be happened. Uh, needed to be happened. Need, need, needed to be explored. Um yeah, I'm not trying to say too much to, at the risk of the title of the podcast getting aggregated and make people <laughs> making it seem like it's a bigger deal than just we're just football here. But that being said, um, the last thing I'll say before we go to Yakum, and thank you for your calls. We got two guys in the queue now. Um, you know, 
I'm I'm doing I'm trying to figure out more details as always, but you know, and I wrote about Zach Levine today. I didn't think that was like honestly a, a super lead item. I'll be fully candid. My editor thought that was the top thing to put in that story, so it got pulled up. <laughs> um, but because I've never really thought Zach was going to leave anyway, um, and as I kind of alluded to in the story, like there's definitely people with other teams are like are we sure Zach really wanted to leave or they just been haggling over the fifth year because he's got a knee injury. That's been kind of a bit of a problem and they're trying to figure out how to negotiate, you know, the final parameters of that once, you know, they can officially start to do that. Um, So with James Harden and Philly, like everyone there, there's, there's still more details to be learned. Um, but everyone there, at least around that situation, at least talks about like, well, yeah, we all want, we all want James Harden back in Philly. So that seems to be, you know, trending that direction. Who knows what the numbers want end up being yet? Definitely we're trying to bring that to you as soon as we can. Um, Bradley Beal, like everyone's pretty locked in there about how, you know, it's going to be pretty hard for Brad to turn down the extra 50, 60 million it is to stay in Washington because, Sorry, Wizards fans, um, but you know it's just a thing in the league now where players just talk about it. You, you opt in, you get the deal, and you can get traded later. Um, that's what Giannis was definitely going to do in Milwaukee if they didn't reach up. Like if they, if they, if KD's toes on the line and they lose in the second round, and they lose in the second round this year. Maybe it happens last year. Like Giannis, a hundred percent would have asked for a trade, but he wins the title. It works. Ben Simmons. He takes his, his max deal. You know, things happen. He doesn't want to play anymore. He asks out, and he gets to another title contender. So guys are going to keep doing that whenever they want. It's going to be a talking point in the new CBA, blah, blah, blah. All that's to say, Kyrie's the one that I'm the least sure about of, like, that stratosphere of guys who could be free agents this summer, um, which I think is interesting. I'm not trying to stir the pot, Brooklyn people. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an interesting, interesting data point on the market board, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it seems like most of those guys are staying. It seems to be the assumption. And I think with all things Kyrie, you can never – nothing's a sure bet ever. Uh, so I'm not surprised that he seems to be, uh, you know, the oddball in this group. But, hey, we'll see what happens. Like you said, a couple weeks. A couple weeks. And then they go to Summer League, and then I go on vacation. Okay, Yoakum, <laughs> am I pronouncing that correctly? Please take yourself off mute. How's it going, fellas? Thanks for the, taking the time for a call. You got it. How you doing? Good, man. So two quick questions kind of sent around if you guys have any insight on, you know, kind of Marx's roster building this summer and what he's kind of looking at. I was wondering if you guys thought he's going to look more about cleaning up the edges, you know, kind of with the role players, or do you see something – bigger and trying to not not obviously i'm not even talking about Kyrie or kd obviously but more around like either trading simmons which i know sounds insane but just based (laughs) off what they've gotten so far with that whole ordeal um or like i said if you think they're just going to try to get more big length size um just try to compete around the edges with kd and i'm curious what you got to say first um yeah i mean i i think I think they the, the the brass with Brooklyn has been kind of open with like yo let's get on the same page as Bill for the future. You you look at how this series the season ended they got swept but I, I would say I'd call three of those games close against Boston three and a half maybe 
they can't feel too far away. But, yeah, I think you look at that series and say, hey, we're a little too small. We're not as athletic as we'd like to be. We, we didn't defend as well as we wanted to defend. For me, when I look at the Nets, I say, what is actually available? Where are the players right. actually at? Their, their cap is, you know, they have the second highest payroll in the league. Um, they have three, potentially three max contracts on, on the books. They have two younger guys that they probably want to play, pay, and Bruce Brown, and it clacks in a lot of noise about both of those guys. Uh, they have Joe Harris making a good deal of money. So, yeah, I think they have to explore all options. Trading Ben, I don't know if that's available. We haven't seen him play basketball in over a year. And the last few months, he was essentially saying, I don't want to play basketball. Uh, so I don't know if he's even tradable until we see him play basketball again. Joe Harris is coming off a tough surgery that he then had to get redone and a whole thing. So we haven't seen Joe Harris play basketball in quite some time. Um, I'm very curious to see how they approach that. They have some picks. They have some tradable options. Um and but yeah, they have to shore up the edges. I think they have to look. If you look, I mean, if you're looking at the championship right now, the finals, they have to get bigger. They have to get more athletic. I think they have to get more switchy defensively. They ended up, you know, in that Celtics series when you're sitting courtside or you're sitting close, you're, you're at the arena period, and you're looking at those guys, and it's Seth Curry and it's Patty Mills and it's Kyrie, and they're guarding Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and they're then having to rebound against those guys. You can see that size is a big issue. I think I think they would focus on there. They need some wings on that team for sure. And the funny part is, you look at Ben Simmons and like that's that solves almost half of that, right? It's a switchy defender who can push the ball, who can distribute, and would make them look a lot better defensively if he's out there. We're talking about a defense player to your caliber guy. They just got to get him out there. Um, there's definitely, I mean. It's been really quiet on Brooklyn. Like, I haven't heard anything about them of late. Um, but knowing what I've known from conversations dating back, like, right when the season ended, when I was talking to Brooklyn people, um, I mean, they they need to figure out Bruce Brown. I think I think everyone there is motivated to bring him back. Um, Nick Claxton, I'm, I'm definitely not certain of being that. You know, he was explored in the trade market uh, back in February. Um I mean, who's to say that he won't be potentially, you know, pulled away on a bigger deal than Brooklyn has the appetite for? I think that's possible. Um, outside of that, I mean, Brooklyn is going to, I, I would think, I think they're going to target shooting in some capacity. And, you know, they, they recognize that having the, the Marcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, uh, you know, Paul Millsap, center, like old man center platoon, if you will, like this isn't going to cut it. So I think they really are going to try to find some type of legitimate big man reserve guy um, that can that can help there. Um, I have not heard this at all. So title of the show, please don't aggregate this. I'm just making a guess because, you know, I know they drafted Dayron Sharp largely with the idea. I mean, they liked him, but also largely with the idea that he could, in theory, be a Nick Claxton replacement. If he were to be, you know, exiting through free agency, and also they liked that he had, I mean, Daron Sharp didn't shoot the ball in college, but everyone I remember around the pre-draft circuit was talking about how he was shooting the shit out of the ball, and I'm using that data point to say that the Nets front office has really liked bigs who can shoot, but also in theory, rim protected at the same time, and 
maybe that that's a home for Mo Bamba then as like a back, like you give him like a, like a, like a lower deal as like a one year deal, like come here, play prove it in a, um, in a playoff environment to try to get like a, another deal. Again, I have not heard that at all. I'm just kind of spitballing, connecting relevant pieces of information. Um, but some, I, I think those are kind of be the, the check marks that they have to hit here because and they're definitely going to like the thing. It's just obvious the things they miss around that big three. They're going to continue to need more shooting. Um, and they're going to continue to need someone who can help them protect the rim. I think I think what you see in the playoffs every year is you need a Grant Williams, you need a Gary Payton, you need a Kevin Lo- Kevin Looney, you need a guy who you can draft late, who you can plug in, who you can develop. That's how you stay a contender, and that's how you become a contender. When you look at the Nets. Uh, you know, Bruce Brown came later, different situation. Uh, Cam Thomas was their first-round pick last year, and they didn't feel like they could play him in the playoffs. Um, Daron Sharp is an interesting one because it's the same thing. Like, they seem to be really excited about him. Just he's not ready, right? They need guys on the fringes like that. That That's how you win playoff series. That's how you get into the finals. Yes, you have stars, but you have guys who also fit well next to those stars and complement them and – and then and then it can thrive in those roles. I think Boston's a you know everybody would love to be Boston, right? You draft two guys top five who are all stars, and you draft a defense player of the year a little bit later in the lottery, and then you have these three guys in the in the twenties. You know, uh, Rob Williams. A lot of people thought he could have been defense player of the year himself. Uh, obviously, you have Grant, who they took a couple years developing, and then even Peyton Pritchard, who is getting minutes and looking serviceable in his role. Everybody says, "Yo, that's the template." It's not that it's the team building template, but it's like the the type of guys you have to add on the fringes one way or another. Um, the one thing I will say about Brooklyn and about Sean Marks, they're active. They, they, there was a ton of noise yeah. about them at the deadline, and then they obviously made the biggest trade of the deadline. Um, and they did that same year before with James, and, and then they're willing to make a splash. Um, so you would have to imagine that they're going to exhaust all avenues they can. And – I would I would think they need size slash shooting, but like every team in the league need size slash shooting. Um, it's it's about where they can get that and who they can uh, utilize with with the tools they have. And they have some picks. They have I think they have I think they have an exception still, which they didn't use last year. Um, I mean, they have some ways to to switch things up if they so if they see fit. And we're gonna find out. Yokum, I did not mean to boot you from the queue. I thought Charlie um, was going to just, like, slide in next to you, but I guess he bumped you. So I apologize. Uh, if you had another question, feel free to call in. Um, but, Charlie, feel free to unmute yourself right now. Um, if we could try to go away from Brooklyn since we talk about them for a bit here, um, I would appreciate it. But same, um, take, take, take it away, Charlie. <laughs> Man, I'm – I'm a slider, not a bumper. I apologize, Yoakum. Didn't mean to <laughs> knock you off there. Um, it was not you. Up? It was me. I fucked up. It was my Oh, bad. okay. All right. Good to know. <laughs> the guilt's off now. Um, what's up, dudes? Jake, I, I was listening. And I, I share your distaste in the kind of like the negative energy that comes from the the changing media landscape with players or former players trying to dunk on pundits and expose their ignorance on whatever topic. Um but on the other end of the spectrum, I would say that like the sneering and the snark that comes from like the certain corners of the self-proclaimed 
smart NBA media like, yeah. toward, towards certain players is becoming almost equally unbearable. Like the way Jordan Poole has been talked about because he had a bad game one, like the way he's been talked about, you would think his next contract's in China. And I just like, <laughs> like, the, like, you know, when I hear people like that Eddie's guy KD would describe as blog boys, like when, it, like when they say like an NBA player is a scrub or terrible, it, yeah. it, it, it like drives me nuts because I'm, you know, as I've said in prior calls, like I'll go to a TBT game. I'll go to a G League game. I've got buddies that played overseas. Like it's so hard to get on an NBA roster, let alone sign multiple contracts. So I'm just curious, like, you know, is it is it a thing where you get so deep into it and you're talking to cynical people like agents and coaches and like, is it hard to like zoom out or – um, I don't know. Like, what what do you see from kind of like uh, just keeping the energy more positive? I mean, a lot of guys say I don't, you know, read my mentions. I don't, you know, Google myself. I don't pay attention, and they're lying. Um, but a lot of guys hundred percent lying. Hundred percent lying. <laughs> so a lot of guys do, I think, have a healthy have a healthy relationship with it. Like, and you were talking about with Kyrie on that show about like. Being a public figure is just fucking weird, especially in this current social media era where, like, people are literally just talking about you for, for the fun of it. And, like, obviously it happens, but, like, to be able to see it taking place is just a bizarre concept. Um, and I think these guys, honestly, they've just been – I mean, like, think about Zion, right? He would, he had, like, millions of followers on Instagram since he was, like, 14, 15 years old. So – and every and at that age too, like every kid is the next guy. Like every kid's the next KD, the next Kyrie, the next whatever. And people are trying to latch on to that kid to try to have you know that guy carry them to that next level. So they're their manager, they're their you know anything. And I think if you are that good that you make the league to your point, Charlie, that it's like damn hard to do. I think most of these guys by that point are at least attuned to the fact that like. You a gotta believe in yourself to make it there, or else nobody else is anyway. So who the hell, like, like who the hell is this guy on Twitter to say anything about what I can do? But also, I think they're just kind of used to being in the eye at this point. Yeah, I think, I think you're dead on. Like they're used to it in a sense. But yes, you're human. You're gonna see it, even if you're a guy who's not checking your stuff at halftime. You got your friend. You got your brother. You got your girl. Yeah. You got whoever. It's like, yo, look at this meme or look at this shit they're saying about you or look at whatever. And it's – we're not talking like ruining a guy's day because they said he did deuces. But, yo, they're going to they're gonna see that. They're going to think something. Yeah. They're going to feel something. I actually think like the quote-unquote new media is almost a, a counter to what has become it's just basically pundits. Yeah, pundits yeah. on TV saying, yo, I think Andrew Wiggins is a great example. A lot of basketball people thought, like, yo, there's a lot of talent there. You could still do something there. Yes, the contract is rough, but there's a lot of talent there. Whereas then you get a lot of, you know, these pundits or the blog boys or whatever, and they're looking at, like, effective field goal percentage and all these little – the Raptor or whatever. And they're using that to validate thinking he's a bad player because he doesn't shoot threes well and because he attacks in an inefficient way. But then you see him now. Like, he can be a winning player. Like, we're too quick to write guys off. and. Obviously, player media is going to be way more pro-player, but you kind of need <laughs> the balance at this point because we yeah. definitely got into a place where, one, guys were just going on TV screaming about how everybody's fucking up, and two, 
I think it's happened with fans and media as well, where like stand culture has just completely permeated into into all all areas of the league. So yeah, you just have two guys, and it's like, okay, I'm a Steph guy, you're a LeBron guy, and then we argue for an hour on TV, <laughs> and that's TV. And you had to have players that go up there and go, yo, we're humans, and like, it's just a team game, and boom, boom, boom. I think that's why people are loving JJ Redick right now. He's such a counter yeah. to what they do. But JJ Reddick's on a produced television show too, and they're going, "All right, we're gonna do this thing." And JJ, how you feel? Okay, Stephen A. feels the other way. Perfect, cool. First ten minute block, boom. And you know, it's all it, it's TV at the end of the day. But I enjoy the player stuff because they get to get a little snarky and get to stick up for themselves. Uh, I also enjoy it because yo, they're not always right. Like you know, every every opinion is valuable in some sense. Some guys are just going off and saying whatever, but if if only the pros could talk about everything, then we would never be able to say an album is bad. We wouldn't be able to talk politics. We wouldn't be able to talk TV, nothing. So we do need those other voices as well. I hear you. Yeah, before just in closing, I just, for both sides, it's just like, I'm just so tired of of feeling like I'm being scolded. Like, stop scolding <laughs> me about hoops. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. But have a good one, dudes. You Thank too, man. You, have a good one. Yeah, it's been, I mean, uh, Ethan Strauss and I talked about this when I had him on the show. Like, the MVP debate, like, oh I, my I don't, I don't have a vote because I think it's, I think it's just, I'm, I'm not a fan of the fact that the voting by us has impacts on the players' contracts because it's just, it turns into a whole, like, for example, I got, um, the paperback version of my books coming out in September. Haven't said anything about that publicly, so breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and I wanted to sit down with Embiid, thinking he was going to get MVP. And I called Sixers PR, who are always very good to me, and they were like, "Look, we'll be honest with you. He's got like seven things lined up. Um, you know, he's probably going to say no." But then, as I watched all the Embiid things coming out. I was like, you know, kind of glad I wasn't one of eight people to talk to Joel Embiid about becoming MVP. But also, like, I'm not saying – I'm not calling out Joel Embiid saying he went on, like, a tour. But, like, a lot of guys go on a tour. Bam out of bio went on a bunch of podcasts and stuff talking about how he should have been DPOI. And, like, you get shit sent to your house from agencies and teams, and it's like, it's just too much. But besides that point, like, seeing the MVP discussion take place on Twitter – People were like getting mad, and like, it was like your identity was being staked into which guy you were rooting for, and it just or who you thought was like the smart. It became a it became a vote about what was the smartest pick. <laughs> yeah, what was like what was the most like creative argument, rather than like who was the fucking MVP. And, yeah, like, it's it's like it's you're just, like, you're yeah. battling philosophies rather than like what's actually happening. And uh, this is like this old Louis C.K. joke. If you look at every religion in a in a vacuum, they're all just as crazy as each other. And that's how I feel about the NBA Twitter cults. It's like everybody's just as insane. They're just Pretty differing. Much. And then, you know, there's some other spectrum, the other spectrum from whatever argument or whatever. But, yeah, that MVP debate turned into like, yo, if, if you didn't like Jokic, you're like dumb. And if you didn't like Embiid, <laughs> exactly. if, if you didn't like Embiid, then – uh, you're you're like a stat nerd or whatever. Right? It turned into yeah. this weird battle of philosophies, and in the, the day, like they both had cases. They both had great cases. It some one guy Gian, just has to win. Gian, it's, 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 
Giannis did too. And and that's a great MVP race. But we turned it into this like battle over basketball sophistication. And it's like, all right, man, like nobody's really right. We're all just have our own opinions and it is what it is. That is twenty twenty two, man. All right, Jack. We got an A D picture. Am I are we getting a Lakers question? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> thanks for having me on, and uh, I apologize in advance for uh, for asking a, a Lakers question because as a fan base, we, we <laughs> probably suck up. In, all is fair in love and challenges. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we probably suck up too much air out of the room as it is, but um, I know there's been a a lot of reporting that maybe Westbrook will come back, won't be traded for whatever reason. Just curious if if there if he does get traded, if either of you have an educated guess as to what team that could be. Man, I I just don't see it happening because they don't want to give up a first by all accounts. The Pacers are like you know a popular like oh they could do Malcolm Brogdon's deal and Buddy Heald, but like everything I've been told, Herb Simon and ownership there don't have any you know great interest in paying Russell Westbrook to not play basketball for them. Um, I mean, the Rockets thing, again, Houston's going to hold Pat and say, like, we need a first. If the Lakers aren't going to give up a first-round pick to move him, I I really don't see it happening. I mean, like, I have said this time and again, I personally think that the Knicks should do it. They should find some way to offload Randall and whatever deals that they like the least and have Russ do what he did with the Wizards in, in the Garden and just kind of be the guy and, like, maybe get a fan vote all-star game and, like, show two stars what it can be like when you are a star in New York. Because Russ isn't, like, a star in terms of, like, top top skill anymore, but he's a fucking superstar, right? So people will, will – I mean, the garden would go nuts for him. So that's what I would do. But I've been told time and time again that New York has no interest. So I just really don't see them moving him. And I think that was also a big reason why he showed up to the press conference and why Darvin Ham's been so complimentary of him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty prepared for Russ to still be in purple and gold. I'm in the same boat. Everybody I've asked, even even like during the season, earlier in the playoffs, it just doesn't make sense anywhere because of the the cap number. And maybe he's more valuable in February as an expiring contract to a team who could use forty seven million of cap room. But as of right now, having to play him for a season, um, it, it it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit anywhere else. I think that's. The issue a lot of guys are going to have this 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 summer, even if guys want to move on, there's only so many places that can they can go. Uh, I, I do. Lo- I, I'm with Jake. If he gets traded, it's of the same nature. Like he has to go to a fledging team that needs some star power, or like we're talking like the Kings or talking, the Knicks, <laughs> something like that. And it's like a one year rental to say, hey, we we put Russell Westbrook in our jersey and he got some great numbers, and you get in some moments and. It's a sad state of affairs for Russ, who I think can still be an effective player and help a team and be a, a floor raiser, as people keep saying. Um, but I just I just don't see it, and I think that's a big reason why they've essentially said it. We're, we're not trading him because there's nothing available to trade him for. And, uh, you know, 
I don't know that that sucks for Laker fans. You'd hate to trade a guy like that for nothing. Um, but I know they they had a rough year last year and don't like, don't like that going forward. But you got one year left, and then you get them off the books, and yeah, you build the post rust phase, and yeah, I mean they're in a tough spot. The one thing too about keeping him that like you just mentioned, he, he comes off the books. Like if it kind of goes well this year, like let's say they're the sixth seed, and like maybe they get a bad matchup or, or a good matchup, a bad matchup for the, for the other side, and they make the second round. Like and there's some good vibes going to the off season. Like maybe there's a way. For, like all of a sudden you've got forty million in cap space. Like maybe there's a way to that it could be like a launching pad for a really good final year of that AD LeBron contract uh, lineup. Uh, if you know LeBron does the two year extension that he could. So I I was one hundred percent in the on the train of. Yo, they could be dangerous in the playoffs. This is going to be a physical team. They're going to pound the paint with the ball, and they're going to, they're going to give teams fits. I still believe that, like maybe foolishly, but they had to stay healthy, and they needed a dominant AD, which we still got to see that again. Um, but, yeah, you, you there's definitely the universe where they're like the five seed next year, and it's a good story, and they, they roll from there. Um, but it has to happen, and we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, Jack, I want to get to AJ and Ty before we go. Uh, thank you for your question. Sorry to boot you. Uh, AJ, what do you got for us? How you doing? AJ, are you with There us? we go. There you go. I had to tap it a couple times. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am a Pacers fan, so nice. one of the few. <laughs> That's not but... true. That place, that, that, that place can get rocking when you guys are making uh, a little, yeah. little run. Absolutely. So – my question is kind of a two-parter, but it kind of goes in with mine with your reporting as well as Stein's about, um, like, Pacers wanting to keep Turner around, but also not, like, there's not been significant progress towards an extension. And then also that they're dangling 31 in the Cavs first. Like, I was just wondering, like, what you've heard in terms of possible, like, move-ups, like, where who they're calling around to. And, like, I mean, if there's any offers, like, how hot the actual Turner rumors are, as well as Brogdon. Um, the Pacers, this is the cool thing about podcast media. Like, if I wrote this, this would probably not make any sense. Or be, like, it would sound, like, more salacious than it actually is. The Pacers, from my understanding, are, like, the one team right now that's going around and telling teams – deals that they think they have on the table, which I'm imagining is like setting the market for um, uh, their other negotiations that they're trying to complete. Um, I mean, they definitely, I believe, have interest in moving up to four. I don't think it's going to happen. They, you know, everyone says that they really want one of Jaden Ivey or, Keegan Murray and the way the draft sounds like it's looking I think those guys are going four or five in some order um, and they're going to miss out if they don't move up to four so I understand why they want to do that I don't think it's going to happen though Um, with Turner like the contract thing coming up I mean this is how teams operate now like a year out for that person having to get paid you start to already think about long-term moves and if that person is more valuable as a trade asset right now than what they will be on that next contract. So 
with Miles, the other thing is like, do you want to wait and see what he's like with Tyrese, knowing that you know maybe his value his value is pretty high right now. The injury ended his year, but he was you know having a career year before he got hurt. So I definitely think the Charlotte interest has always been real. I don't know if they can get a deal done, but I mean, I think it's possible. I haven't heard any teams recently that's been like serious. Um, but if you go look back at any of my reporting, or I'm sure other people have it too, around the deadline, there are a lot of teams that were linked to him that had interest. Toronto definitely was. I haven't heard those costs have been happened or have been held recently. Um, but that's just like a data point to throw out. And New York, you know, seemed to be interested in him um, uh, at the deadline as well to be like a big man to pair with Julius Randle. Um, and someone around the situation, let's say, told me that they believe New York would inquire at some point. So that's really all I have to share on that at the moment. Do you think there's more value surrounding Turner than there is Brogdon right now? Because realistically, the Pacers don't have another center behind him unless you want to throw Isaiah Jackson into the fire. But like with Brogdon, Tyrese is the point guard, like set in stone. So yeah, it's interesting to see what they're going to do with him. For sure, um, AJ, I'm going to bump you for Ty because we're almost at the top of our hour here. But yeah, Turner definitely, I think, has you know pretty substantially higher value. I don't know specifically, but like a lot of teams I've talked to, teams that there are rumors going around would be of interest or are interested in acquiring Brogdon. Um, I, I wrote the Knicks thing today. I, I do think that's a legitimate landing spot. Um, there's other teams out there being talked about that I won't say because I don't believe them to be true. Um, but, like, they're, those teams are, are looking at Brogdon as, like, a negative value contract right now due to the injury status. So um, I don't know what the market could be for him because he could be a very effective player when healthy, but the injury situation has just kind of really made that a, a giant question mark. All right, Ty, what do you got? First off, how's it going, fellas? Doing well. How are you? Doing good. Uh, so we, the Spurs are in an interesting situation with having four four overall picks, three in the first round, and then also that they're at ninth overall. Um, is there just any information of them looking to trade up, especially with those 20 and 25 overall picks? Have not heard about San Antonio trading up, actually. Um the talk about them so far is that they want a big man at nine. I think I said that or wrote that somewhere previously. Um, and there's talk I've heard about them potentially trading out of 25, not up from 25. Um, that's really all I've got on the Spurs. There are some people who have theories about who their targets would be at certain picks. Um, people have mentioned them as the potential team that gave a quote-unquote soft promise to Caleb Houston, but you know, we, we won't we won't really know that obviously until draft night. So that's really all I got on San Antonio. And then I guess a second question just to follow this up is with the Spurs, they're known as a tight lip organization. Just how challenging is it to get information from like the Spurs or other tight lip organizations for you? Um I'm calling up Gundo, this will be our last question. Um the Spurs ironically I don't find her hard to get info about I think it's because the Spurs, I've been told time and again, don't make outgoing calls. They listen and talk and are very engaging when people do call them. But they don't make the outgoing calls. 
So that's only a thing that is like, like they're, they're only, so the only info you get is what other people, what conversations the other teams are framing, if that makes sense. Um, but other teams are then like, oh, I got some info on San Antonio. And that, that stuff does kind of spread around. Like the fact that everyone in the league is talking about them wanting a big man at nine, um, like that happens. Like I remember Lucas Samanich, whatever draft that was, like I knew he was their pick at 19 for whatever reason. Um, Gundu, last question of the night. How are you? Gundu, are you with us? All right. No Gundu, unfortunately. Um, all right, man. Eddie, thank you for joining me, man. This was a really great time. I appreciate it. Nah, thanks for having me. Uh, I know I can be long with it, but uh, I hope I was able to make it engaging and hope we no, don't definitely. get in trouble for uh, getting <laughs> aggregated tomorrow. Uh, but nah, thanks for having so me, too. man. And, uh, looking forward to seeing your work and you telling us who's all going where pretty soon here. Thank you, man. Um, if you want, I always give the guest a chance to ask me a question since I think it's only fair. You don't have to, but if you got something, you know, I put you on the spot with the Nets. You know, feel free. Um, I would want to know, besides Raymond, this last day, a couple <laughs> days ago, um, do do you ever get grilled for the scoops? Because I, I typically don't play the scoop game. Do you ever get grilled for reporting or just criticism out outward? Because uh, because you're there, yeah. Because you're there. You're in lock. You're well, not locker rooms anymore, but you're in press rooms. You're 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 roaming the arenas. You're dealing with these guys face to face. Do you ever have other situations like that? Well, that's what I was gonna say. I haven't been in a locker room since 2020, and yeah. as I've been in the scoop game, if you will, um, that's been the part of the coverage that's really been lacking. In my opinion, like I haven't gotten to talk to many players one on one since everything shut down. I mean, definitely like back when I was at SI, I used to write these weird features about like Miles Turner is obsessed with Legos, and <laughs> I used to ask people about. It's called a grenade where someone gives someone the ball with like, the two seconds left clock, on the shot yeah. clock because they don't want the turnover, which to me is hilarious for two reasons. One, it's just hilarious to be selfish like that and, you know, bomb a teammate. But two, it doesn't even count as an individual turnover. It's a team turnover. But guys still mm. do it afraid of getting the number on their stat line. So <laughs> that's to say, like, a lot of the times I feel like I've made a lot of connections with people around the league because I was asking different questions, not like, oh, you had that, you know, that scrum at the end of game three, like Steph got jumped on. What do you think about that, Marcus Mar? Oh, it was a dirty play. Like, I'm not asking those questions. Um, I mean, I, I usually like to ask things that I think these guys aren't going to get asked. That way, they want to have to talk about it. Sometimes people are like, "What the fuck are you asking me?" Yeah. But most yeah. <laughs> most of the time, most of the time, I think people are appreciative of something. Just like I remember very early in my career, I did a story at Slam Magazine about Chandler Parsons' pump fake because that dude had a wicked pump fake. He yeah, he just tweeted it about time. it the other day. He just tweeted about it the other day too. The, uh, we the had like, a, yeah, we had a, like a really great ten minute conversation, and he remembered me for the next like decade plus because I asked him about something other than like how'd you feel out there tonight. Yo, guys definitely love that, and I, I remember talking to Kevin about you know just how much he hates the scrums and just dealing with that, and he's like, it's not even that I don't like doing media it's that you get the same questions over like every day we're talking about this yeah. and it's like it's to the point where 
you know, a reporter will ask, yo, you hedged on the pick and roll like this, and you did this. And you did... What did you think of that? And Kevin will be like, well, you just told me. Like, you just, yeah. you just said the whole play. Like, what, what more do you like? <laughs> and so, yeah, it's when guys can be different. Um, it's definitely standing out. So, I mean, and it it does exactly what you said. You make an impression, and now Chandler Parsons will see you courtside somewhere in in a year and go, "Hey, what's up?" And, yeah, uh, you know, you love to you love to to stand out in a good way. Exactly. All right, last question for you: Will you watch the Challenge CBS Stars premiering July, whatever it is? Because it's got none of the cast, man. I was looking for some like your union with. Like, the first night of the new challenge season always feels to me like the first day of school. We're back with our buddies. Yes. They're not going to um, be there. I'm, I'm heated. I So, I was. and then But I've recently been Ben's in Survivor. And then I think there's okay. two Survivors on there that I remember, that I know from the last couple of seasons. I'm excited. I'm ex- You know me. I'm over the Big Brother Alliance. I'm ready for new faces anyway. So, like, but a these whole people cast are of new Big Brother is what I'm saying. It's like, all right, you know, I've, I'm ready to not see Josh and Fessy. Yes. So it works. Yes. Um, I'm going to miss CT. The, I'm gonna they miss dropped the trailer Nani. today. They dropped the trailer today. It looks amazing. I can't wait. I would not miss an episode. There's zero I'm definitely going to watch. Let's be real. I'm just and I'm you know this is like, that. You know this is all leading into, like, global challenge in X amount of months where – they have, they're doing them all over the place, and then they're all going to have one big challenge later. And I cannot wait. I'm, I'm, I'm geeked for the Challenge for, Olympics. For anyone who likes sports and human drama slash reality TV, and you're not watching the challenge, it is the greatest show on TV, and you're making a giant mistake. But you guys all made a smart choice in tuning in tonight. Really appreciate everyone <laughs> coming in. Um, again, this was definitely the biggest room I've had so far on Colin. So we're going to be doing it again sometime this week. I'll have Jeremy Wu on from SI, the draft expert there next week. We're going to kick it through the free, uh, the off season and free agency and, uh, keep bringing you good guests like Eddie. Eddie, thank you, man. This was awesome. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. We hope to see you on the court again soon, man. We got to see you. We got to see you put a show on. <laughs> we'll make it happen, man. I appreciate you, uh, you, st- you uh, coming and bringing that publicly so I don't have to say it myself. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, I- I'll stand up for you, man. Don't worry. But, yeah, have a there good one, go, bro. Man. Thanks for having me. You too, man. All right, everybody. Take care.